Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. I have a very interesting message for us this Christmas day, and I've entitled it, Making Room for Jesus. It's actually a spin-off of a message that my son William uh, sent to us. We have our family chat group, and because in his church, he's a kind of scribe, so he scribes, he writes down a summary of the message of his pastor. So he sent this to us some weeks ago, and as I was meditating on it, I said, this is, a, this is an excellent message. So William, thanks. In fact, let all my children stand up and the grandchildren and just wave to the church. Just say hello to everybody. Just say hi, hi, hi. Joshua, what's wrong with you? Why are you sitting down? <laughs> you have become a Nigerian big man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's, it's, so, it's such a delight to have all of them around. Amen. So, let's read in Luke chapter 2, Luke the second chapter, thank you Jesus, Luke chapter 2 and um, verse 7, we, let's just give the background, Mary is heavily pregnant, um, God, in his sovereignty, causes the Roman Empire to issue a decree that everybody, like a census, because uh, as you know, all responsible governments, don't let me go there, (laughs) conduct censuses for two reasons. One, to know the population of their country so that they can plan and statistically Um, project as to what the needs of the population would be. If you don't have a census, you can't plan. But secondly, and also just as importantly, to be able to have uh, a realistic estimate of revenue that will be expected from taxes. If I don't know the, if I don't know how many people are, and I, you know, I don't know how, how I'm going to tax them, so I can't, I can't estimate how much is coming in. Now, that's the reason why the Roman Empire is one of the most organized empires in history. It lasted a thousand years. You know, they, they, they conducted these things regularly. But God, in his sovereignty, arranged that that census was uh, <clears throat> planned and, 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 and uh, uh, announced and executed at the time Jesus was going to be born. You know, there's a thought there that really comforts me and inspires and encourages me. Do you know that before Gabriel was sent to uh, Mary to conceive Jesus supernaturally, God was already working on the Roman Empire. You know, when the Bible says God rules in the affairs of men, it's true. So God was able to estimate from the time Gabriel spoke to Mary and the, 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 the baby was conceived in the womb, 
there was going to be a nine-month period. So God arranged it that at the time Jesus was going to be born, the, sent, the, the, the decree for the census would have been sent out such that Mary and Joseph would be forced to go to Bethlehem because that's where he came from. He, he was of the house of the lineage of David, you know, so that that which was spoken by the prophet Micah in Micah 5 2 would come to pass. Because ordinarily, Joseph and Mary would have had the baby in Nazareth. There's no point going through that torturous. It's not like today where you have nice cars and everything. You have to go on hung, donkey and horse and, 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 and uh, uh, chariot, you know, no, and, and uh, carriages and things like that. They, they wouldn't have gone. If the decree was, had not been released, they would, they would have had the baby in Nazareth. It would, it would make no sense going all the way. Then something interesting happened. Because of the census, there was a heavy influx of people in Bethlehem. So all the hotels were full. And then we read. Verse 6. Read after me. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished. God, he plans everything. He rose in the affairs of men. The Roman government did not know they were being used by God. Mary and Joseph knew, but they didn't know the full story. They did not understand that it had to be Bethlehem. That that which was spoken by the prophet should be fulfilled. And I got good news for you. God is ruling in your affairs. And you see, when God moves you here and moves you there, it's not, uh, what's the expression men use? You know, coincidental. No, it's divine providence in operation so that you will be in the right place with the right people at the right time to fulfill the right destiny. Are you getting it? And she brought forth her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. That is really, that's a nice word. The, the real correct word is a feeding trough. I'll explain in a minute. Because there was no room for them in the inn. I'm going to translate it to present day uh, contemporary terms. That manger there is not, is not you know, is, is a feeding trough. This was a hotel. That's why I call it an inn. Back in those days, they didn't have cars like we had today. They had horses, donkeys. That's what they used. So in the hotels in those days, you know, the rooms were upstairs. You know, they usually had like a, one or two floors on a loft. Then the basement was where they kept the animals. That's where they fed them. That's where they looked after the animals. So the hotel uh, authorities, provider, he will take, you know, if you brought a donkey or whatever, they will take it from you. They charge you a fee, of course, everything. You know, you pay for it, you know. And it's in that place that they feed the animals. So it was one of the um, containers, we call it a trough, you know, that they were using to feed the animals that Joseph took 
and removed the hay and all the grass that the animals would eat. They cleaned it as best as they could. Then they took clothes and, you know, uh, padded it with clothes. And that's where Jesus was born. But I think here, which I got from the message that William sent to us. The reason why, who, who would want to have a baby <laughs> inside a place where the animals are eating? Nobody. Manure. The animals were defecating. You, the smell. The physical discomfort. There's a donkey here. A horse here. So that's how he was that night. But they didn't have a choice. The baby was coming. There was no place for them in the hotel. They didn't have Google. They couldn't have booked the hotel ahead of time. So they had to make do with what they had. So Joseph being a man of means and... Um, Innovation. Just well, well, I mean, we just have to manage it. Clean the place up a little bit. You know, at least, you know, the area where the baby was going to be born, you know, and, uh, you know, put the, put the clothes in, you know, and everything. You know, I'm sure he got some people who probably assisted in Mary bringing forth the baby, you know. Now, I've I, I preached this before, but I want to say it again. Look at the amount of miracles that took place. You know, we got doctors here, you know. Anything could have gone wrong. Placenta retention, that night. There's no expert. It's not like today. There's no expertise. They just delivered the baby. Then contamination. Flies. Because of the manure. The stink. A million and one things would have gone wrong. But God was in control. Jesus was born perfectly. But the point I want to make here now is the title of my message is Making Room for Jesus. They had no room for him in that particular hotel. I'm sure all the hotels in town were booked. Because you see, because of the Roman decree, Everybody, you know, had come from all different parts of Israel who came from the lineage of David. So, the town was full. The hotels were full. There was no room for them in the end. And I, from William's message, this thought came to me. See your heart as a hotel. Your spirit, soul, and body. Now, the, the, let's, let's keep it in the soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know? See that as the hotel. Where did, in this, this is a factual story in history, they put Jesus in the lowest part of the hotel. The place of least priority. They put him where the animals were. 
But my message to you today is that you should, have, you should make room for Jesus in the hotel of your heart. Don't put Jesus in the garage. Put him in the presidential suite. I got it written here. It came to me today. Early morning hours, you know, between last night and today when I was praying. You know, as I gave the Lord Jesus the presidential suite of the hotel of your heart, don't put him in the garage. He's talking about priorities. You know, most Christians, what happened here, which is a factual uh, uh, um, thing of history, is actually is, 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 is a prophetic shadow and type of what's happening today. Most Christians, they, they take Jesus in, but they put him in the garage. They don't put him in the prior, they don't put him in the presidential suit. He's not, he's not number one priority. He is an appendage so that I can go to heaven. But like Papa Hagen said many, many years ago, everybody wants Jesus as Savior, but very few want him as Lord. I want him as Lord. I want him as Savior. Let him heal me. Let him bless me. Let him save me. But don't let him bother me. And that's the message of today. Make room for Jesus. Don't give him the manger. Don't give him the garage. Today we'll call it a garage where the cars are parked. Give him the presidential suite. The top floor of your hotel. Of the hotel of your heart. Let him take, there's a song we normally sing that, you know, we say he should, he should take his, um, take up your holy throne deep within my, yes, that's where you should put him. But you know, most of us don't. I'm going to prove it to you. We don't. We put him inside the, just, we're following the prophetic shadow. <laughs> we put him inside the manger. Put him with the animals. Put him, Yeah. You see this truth portrayed in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Let's quickly go. That's the Ephesian church that really mirrors majority of the church today. I dare say, using the tabernacle of Moses as a type, you know, that uh, <clears throat> over 70% of the church do this. Because if you look at the tabernacle of Moses, you find that the outer court is two-thirds. You find that the holy place uh, <coughs> is divided into two. You've got the most holy place and the holy place. And all that is one-third. And you've got one quarter in the holy place. And then you have about, you know, uh, one-twelfth in the most holy place. And that gives you a statistical uh, <coughs> um, overview of how people prioritize Jesus. Majority of the other court of 70%, over 70% of us, we put him in the garage. We do what these efficient people did. And look at what Jesus said about them. Very interesting. Uh, uh, <clears throat> look at this. It says, <clears throat> Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, angel just means messenger, means the pastor. At this time, it was actually Timothy. 
Timothy was the first bishop of the church at Ephesus. And interestingly, you know, you know, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, Paul was dead at this time. Paul warned Timothy. He warned him. He said, preach the word in season and out of season. He said, because I know where I've gone. He said, all kinds of people are going to come. And that's what happened in history. Today, Ephesus is in Turkey. That's 99% Muslim. It was the epicenter of the revival during the time of the uh, Apostle Paul. The Bible says, and God did special miracles by Paul. He said, God, um, Paul, he taught in Ephesus for three years. He said, the word of God drew mightily and prevailed. How did they retrogress to this situation? This is, this is AD 96. John is on the Isle of Patmos. When Paul wrote Ephesians, you're looking at maybe like AD 60, 70, somewhere in there, you know. So it's just 20, 20 years later. At the time he wrote it, uh, at the time Paul was there, Timothy was a young man. I said, let no man despise thy youth. So Timothy's probably maybe, let's say he's in his 30s. So by now he'll be in his 60s. Look at what happened. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, these things saith he that hath the seven stars in his right hand, that walk in the midst of the seven golden stars. These are symbolic of the pastors and the churches. I know thy works. They were a good church. They served God. And thy patience. I didn't hear you. Everybody open your mouth. I don't want to hear Pastor Boy guy alone. Everybody say, I know thy works. That's better. And thy labor. And thy patience. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil. These guys were extremely sanctimonious. They, you know, you know, they're typical Christian. They don't like this kind of, oh, bad people, you know, you know, they work for God, they do this, you know. And on the surface, you would think this is a very good church. On the surface. But they had put Jesus in the garage. And thou hast tried them, which say, I didn't hear you folks. They are apostles and are not. And I found them liars. And has born and has patience. Ah, these guys are good, man. They're done well. You know, most of us will give ourselves an A grade. Would give this efficient church an A grade. But uh, I'm not I'm not done yet. And for my name's sake, thou hast labored. And has not fainted. Oh man, these guys are okay. They're not. They're like most of us. We put Jesus in the garage. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. In other words, in spite of all this activity and all these good things you're doing, something is fundamentally wrong at the foundational level. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you have left your first love. You've taken me from the presidential suite and you've put me in the garage. 
in this illustration that God used William to give to us, making room for Jesus. Remember, that's verse 5. From whence thou art fallen, you know, the presidential suit is always at the top, but it had fallen. It was not in the garage. Very quiet. Today is Christmas Day. I want you to reorganize your life. Don't your neighbor say, God wants you to give room for Jesus. Don't put him in the garage. Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent. You know, if you preach this to most churches today, they'll say, I have nothing to repent of. Ah, me. I labor. Even God says so. <laughs> I labor. I, I serve God. I have born. I hate those that are evil. I have exposed false apostles. You know, and if you, I mean, check me out. You know, even God said, you know, and, and he mentioned the patience twice. He said, and, 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 and you are born for my name, say, you are. What am I repenting of? But Jesus said, repent and do the first works. Yeah. Let me, let me say it the way Jesus said in another place. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other things will be added unto you. That's the problem of Christianity today. Most people don't seek it first. They seek it, but not first. Other things are more important. So all the other things occupy the presidential palace, the presidential suites, and all the top level suites and all of that. Then we now put Jesus in the bottom, you know, in the garage. So let him manage that. At least he's there. So long as he's in the garage, I'm going to heaven. So, uh, I'm done. I, I, he's inside the house. The only problem is that he's not in the top floor. He's in the, you know, in the garage. And, you know, most people like that. They're comfortable with that. So long as, he, so long as he's inside the house, I'm going to heaven. So, if he's in the garage, it doesn't matter. So long as he's in, in the house. It's a dangerous position. And Jesus was very unhappy about it. In spite of all the things that were spoken about this church, which on the surface looks so good. Do the first works. I'm going to tell you what they are in a minute. Do you see the connection in verse 4? He calls it thy first love. In verse 5, he calls it the first works. Love and work. I, I didn't know love was works. It is. He called it in verse 4, thy first love. Then in verse 5, he said, do the first works. So there is a work I have to do to walk in love. The first love. 
And then he says, it, he gives a dire warning. You know, I remember Papa Ralph telling us many years ago, he says, God is as faithful to his threats as he is to his promises. Most Christians don't like to hear that. The same God who will tell you, I will bless you, will also tell you that I will chasten you if you do this. And he's, he watches over the word of blessing the same way he watches over the word of chastening. I didn't hear an amen. I said, Pastor Olivier, please don't preach this on Christmas Day. Just tell me I'll be blessed so I can go home. No. You have to make room for Jesus. Jesus is not going to be in the bottom floor in 2024. Today, you are going to change priorities. Josh is moving to the presidential suite. He's not staying in the manger of your heart. You're not staying in the bottom floor. We kept in the bottom floor for too long. And that's why we don't see the things we need to see in our lives. Hello? Good. So, you know what he said? This is a dire warning. You would have thought that, ah, this church is a good church. I mean, if you just tell them, okay, it's all right, it's okay. No. He said, if you don't, this New Testament, book of Revelation, it doesn't get more New Testament than Revelation. It's the last book of the New Testament. Or else, I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove your candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent. Wow! Wow! And you know, it is a sad commentary of history. That's exactly what happened. The candlestick is representative of the light of the church. It was removed. And that's how Islam and other places came and submerged Christianity in Turkey. I've been to Turkey, but I've not gone to Ephesus. I intend to, you know, sometime I'm going to take my wife. We're going to go to Israel. Then I'm going to Turkey, and then I'm going to Ephesus. Some years ago, we were in Croatia for the wedding of one of her classmates' children. And we got this... Um, tour guide. Lovely woman. Roman Catholic, but born again spirit-filled. You know, charismatic Christian. You know, we discovered later that she was a charismatic Christian. And so, you know, we, we started to share. She even still sends us, occasionally once in a year, she'll send us like, a, you know, and all of that. So she was not telling us. Telling my wife, and I said, she said, uh, Pastor, you have to go to Turkey. I said, why? She said, oh. He said, there's a beautiful um, tourist attraction in Turkey, which is the house that the Virgin Mother, you know, the Catholics, re they revere Mary. And I do too. <laughs> you know, Holy Mother, Mother of God. You know, Holy Mary, Mother of God. You know, and she told us, she said, yeah, she said, she's been. So she told us, she said, that is a place you must go. There is a house in Ephesus. It's still there. It's one of the main tourist attractions to what she told us, you know. That's the house the Apostle John was living in, you know. And he was looking from the cross till that time. Give John a super clap offering, somebody. 
What, what a faithful servant. You know what Jesus told him? He said, behold thy mother. And he told him, he said, behold thy son. And the Bible said, from that day. So there is this house, it's in Turkey, it's in Ephesus, where John the Apostle, you know, they tried to kill him and everything. They couldn't kill him. So they left him alone after a while. So that house was where John died. And the same house where Mary died. So there is a room. And you know our Catholic brethren like that kind of thing. You know, where, you know, Mary and John. So people visit the place and go and pray. <laughs> so this lady, lovely lady, she told us, ah, you must go there. You must go and see, you know, where the holy... Uh, mother lived with the apostle john that's how great ephesus was in terms of christian influence but they lost it all because they put jesus in the garage they took him out of the they checked him out of the presidential suite <laughs> i just got a fax from heaven why presidential suite is expensive Nobody wants to pay that price. So put him in the garage where he won't disturb you, but he will secure you for heaven. That will change today. Change it! You cannot go into 2020. You can. But you should not go in 2024 with Jesus in the garage. Make room for him. Put him in the presidential suite and pay for it. The presidential suite is expensive. You know, my wife and uh, Stasha Lakwe, they take the children on a um, school tour. They, we haven't done it for, because of all this COVID, but that's gone now. So we're trusting God that this year, you know. And when they take them to the top hotels in the, all over the world, you know, and usually what happens is that because they, they take a, a large number of rooms because of the children and the Lifeford staff, you know, they, they, they embed the staff with the children, you know, and very lovely, you know, and all of that. So usually, usually, they will give us a concession and allow mommy to get the presidential suite at the top of the hotel, but they won't chat, or they will give us at a very reduced something because we've, we've booked so many rooms, you know. Huh? So they give us, you know, and uh, you know, it's usually big and spacious and you know, everything. If you have to pay for a presidential suit, you know what it will cost you spiritually. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.